Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome back to Caffeine and Cats, a creepy podcast. I'm your co-host, Abby, along with Caitlin and Lou. Today, we are going to dive into some creepy cruises. As always, please follow us on social media. You can find us at Caffeine and Cats Pod on Instagram and Caffeine and Cats Podcast on Facebook. Give us a like and leave a review if you enjoy hearing our stories. But before we get started, how are you ladies doing this week? I'm doing all right. Um, I'm kid-free for the afternoon, so I'm very excited about that. And it's Sunday, so I don't have to do anything. How about you guys? I'm only a little jealous about the kid-free thing, but otherwise I'm good. (laughs) You should be. It's nice. Sorry, I almost stepped on you, Abby. Um, I'm good. I'm actually sad that it's Sunday because I get to work tomorrow and I don't want to. I don't want to work either. (laughs) (laughs) Why can't we be millionaires? Damn it. Uh, that would be nice. We can spend yeah. all our free time podcasting. Mm-hmm. One day, one day. <laughs> <laughs> one day. All right, Lou, why don't you take us off with uh, your creepy cruise story? Sure. Um, it's not really that creepy, but it's one of the many, many sad ones I actually found. Um, so on the evening of April 6, 2018, John Halford packed his suitcase and left it outside of the door of his cabin on the cruise liner Thompson Spirit. It was the last day of a week-long Egyptian cruise and the ship was due to dock at Sharm el-Sheikh the following morning. Mr. Halford, who was 63, texted his wife Ruth, who was at home in Britain, to say he will see her at the airport the next day. Then he went off to dinner. At about 12.30 a.m., he was seen by other passengers drinking cocktails in an upper deck bar. He then vanished. Mrs. Halford learned of her husband's disappearance as she was getting ready to drive to the airport to collect him. Quote, the phone rang and it was Thompson's desk at the airport in Egypt, she said. I was told the plane was in the air, but my husband was not on it. He'd gone missing from the ship. You could have not made over sideways. It made no sense. The children and I were shell shocked. At first, I thought, he must have somehow gone ashore without anyone realizing, but it will have been impossible because there are various checkpoints when you disembark. He simply disappeared. John had been really looking forward for the cruise, she said. He went alone because he could not afford to go as a family, plus the children had exams coming up. Ships are places where it's easy to meet people and John didn't mind going on his own. The passengers who saw him at the bar said he was not drunk and was in good spirits. He'd packed his suitcase ready to go, but his other belongings, his passport, glasses, mobile phone, and rucksack were found in his cabin, but there was no sign of John. He wasn't depressed. There was no sign at all that he was contemplating suicide. He just wasn't like that. His suitcase was later returned to us, and in there she found three necklaces uh, for both her daughters and herself. And, I mean, that just marked that John was really going back. I mean, he was planning to go home to them. So, at first, she believed that her husband, with whom she was about to celebrate their silver wedding anniversary, will turn up. But as time has passed, her hope has nearly all gone. It was, and her words, it was incredibly difficult, surreal, really, and terrible for the children, she said. In my heart, I believe he is dead that he is gone, that somehow he slipped and went overboard. I can't think of any other explanation. A search of the sea was carried out at the time, but nothing was found. I am told that there are sharks in the area and it was very painful to think about. 
but is the idea of someone slipping overboard credible? The rails on cruise ships are at least three feet, six inches high, which makes it incredibly difficult for anyone, even someone who might be drunk or ill, to pitch overboard. Today, Mr. Halford, a bookseller from Milton Keynes, Buckinghamshire, remains missing, his fate unknown. Now, when I was researching this story, for some reason his story popped out because they couldn't find anything at all on the guy. As his uh, wife said, he was not depressed, he was not drunk, he just simply vanished. Also, when I was researching, I found a really interesting website that is called cruisejunkie.com slash overboard, and it has a list of everyone that's been missing or died on a cruise ship, and it's really, really interesting. And I thought maybe we can add it to our social media. That's a great idea. That sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll have to read into that. Yeah. So basically, that's my small story. And I, as I was mentioning, the, the ones I did find interesting were not in cruise ships. And the ones I did see, either you probably guys did it or, you know, they're not that creepy. All right. Well, I guess I will go ahead and tell you guys mine then. So the story I have for you guys today is about the disappearance of George Smith IV. Um, So George and Jennifer Smith were a seemingly normal couple from Greenwich, Connecticut that got married in June of 2005. Jennifer was 25 and George was 26 years old. Um, They spent their honeymoon on a cruise of the Mediterranean aboard one of Royal Caribbean's ships named the Brilliance. Um, Now, this was the first week of July in that 2005. Um, So it's reported that the couple made friends while on the ship and they had like a great old time. That is until the morning of July 5th when someone realizes that something sinister may have happened the night before. The cruise ship had just arrived in Turkey and one of the passengers went to take a picture out, I think, over like the deck. Um, And when they looked out, they realized there was a large spot of blood down on the canopy below them, which, of course, is a little alarming to anyone, especially on a cruise ship. So this began an investigation. I use that word very lightly because, of course, it's just employees of a cruise ship. Um, But that began an investigation to find out who might be missing. And this is when the employees on the boat realized that George and Jennifer haven't been accounted for. Um, So they sort of look at, like, who has been scanning their key cards, who got off the boat when they docked in Turkey. So they had traveled from Greece to Turkey overnight that night. Um, So they put out a message across the boat asking for them to check in or maybe if anyone had seen them. And that's when Jennifer was found in the ship's spa room where she said that her husband, George, was probably passed out drunk sleeping somewhere, which I will say I thought that was a little weird that she was like, oh, yeah, he's probably just, you know, passed out drunk sleeping when they're on their honeymoon and you'd think they'd be together. Um, However, apparently the night before, both of them got pretty wasted and Jennifer actually passed out somewhere in a hallway and had to be helped back to her room. So, of course, she assumed maybe the same thing happened to her husband or he fell asleep in the room of one of their new friends. So the friends that they made is a group of like four boys. I say boys, but they're like 18 to 21 years old. Um, So they had been hanging out with them, drinking. Um, I think they went to the casino and things like that. Anyway, they had a couple's massage planned, but when she woke up in the morning, she didn't see George, so she went ahead and headed down, assuming that she would see him later. Now, of course, like I said, there's not really an investigation because there's not any police or anything on the ship, and I think we all know that people disappearing on cruise ship is a little tough considering international waters and all that fun red tape that 
needs to be cut through. So pretty much they determined that they can't find him anywhere on the boat. He probably fell overboard and it was most likely an accident. They dropped Jennifer off in Turkey and sort of sent her on the way. I mean, there's not, they said, there's nothing we can do. The Turkey police have to help you. Um, the Turkey police didn't, I mean, they couldn't do a whole lot. They interviewed Jennifer. They went to the cruise ship and talked to them. They basically okayed them to leave the same day. So Jennifer was in Turkey and had to get home, but she ended up calling her family back home, of course, and telling them what was going on. And George's family was just completely surprised. They didn't want to believe anything that they said, you know, that they heard. I mean, they didn't want to think that he might have slipped overboard or even been pushed or, you know, no matter what. So they were sort of stuck at home and they couldn't do anything. So pretty much nobody knows even to this day what happened to George. There's not a whole lot left to that story really. Um, but I did want to add in this part, what happened a couple days later on the same cruise ship. Um, a girl actually went to the nurse, I guess, um, is what she was on the ship. And she said that she needed to take the morning after pill because she had been sexually assaulted. And it turns out that she, uh, you know, she said that her assaulters were the same boys that George had been friends with and Jennifer had been friends with and drinking with and hanging out with. So there was a lot of speculation around something that might have happened either between George and them or, you know, so anything. No, nobody knows what happened. Um, I believe Jennifer ended up getting a $2.1 million settlement from the cruise line. But George's parents don't believe anything that she said. They just don't trust anything that she said. They think that she knows more than she's leading on. But as far as we know, George has been missing since that June 5th night in international waters in Turkey. Damn. That is insane. It's hard not to like just assume those people yeah. fell overboard. It, I mean, I feel like this like was... Right. This was almost a hard story for me, kind of, because I feel like it just kind of like ended and I wanted more details. I wanted to know how the investigation went. And I mean, you know, there were talks, they interviewed people, but the, I mean, the captain was certain he fell overboard. It was an accident. That's what happened. Right. Yeah. I found the same things when investigating stories. And apparently also once you fall overboard, if you, if they're not notified right away, that's it you're lost because the right. ship is moving and if you're caught in the current and the sea is stupidly big you're lost forever yeah and you know like i said they just sort of left her in turkey you know she's a woman from connecticut she doesn't know where she's at or anything and they just said have fun getting home oh that is horrible. lovely yeah, yeah. I will say, I will add, I didn't add this so much in this story. Um, they did find a little bit of blood in the room. However, what I read, it was very, very little, like a very, very small amount of blood. Like they said, one of it looked like it could have been a nosebleed. So then somebody on the ship tried to take that story and run with it. And they were like, oh yeah, he, he must've got a nosebleed. And then he went out for fresh air and he leaned overboard and then he fell. So I don't necessarily know that maybe the, the employees probably don't know any more than we know, but I think that they just kept trying to form stories that people wanted to hear. How many adults do you know that actually get random nosebleeds? Right. <laughs> I just thought about that. Right. You never know. I mean, maybe it had something to do with being on a cruise ship or, you know, something like that, but I guess we'll never know what happened to George Smith. That's a good story, though. 
I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Caitlin, why don't you tell us what you got for us this week? Okay, so I have found that doing shorter stories and multiple of them just works better for my style because I have ADHD and I can't concentrate more than a few minutes on a story. So I have five different stories for you guys today. Awesome. Um, the first, yeah, it'll be fun. So the first one I wanted to talk about is a story of Darla, Mellinger, Banner, and Br John Banner. They were newlyweds from Ohio and were enjoying their second cruise in San Juan, Puerto Rico when tragedy struck. On April 2nd, 2012, the bodies of Darla and John were found in their blood-covered cabin. After investigating, the authorities determined that John stabbed Darla to death before using the same weapon on himself. Authorities in Ohio had been called to the residence five months earlier in December 2011 after Darla had suffered from a stab wound in her chest. The couple claimed that it had occurred when John tripped while showing his wife an old military dagger. As improbable as it seemed, both parties had the same story and no further action was taken at that time. And then my next story is the story of Shulry, Shulry if I can pronounce that right, Shirley, and Robert McGill. They were high school sweethearts who reconnected after 60 years and got married. This fairy tale love story ended brutally in July 2009 while the couple were enjoying a cruise to Mexico to celebrate Robert's 55th birthday. Robert had started drinking heavily the night before while in port at Cabo San Lucas and continued to drink after arriving to the ship. According to court documents, Bill had consumed at least 20 drinks and was struggling to even walk. After returning to his cabin, he proceeded to savagely beat Shirley. Not yet satisfied, he then strangled her to death and left her body in the bathroom on the floor. Robert then changed clothes and went out to the deck for a cigar. Shortly after, he went for more drinks with another couple, and when they inquired where his wife was at, he confessed to her murder. He was taken into custody once the ship docked in Los Angeles. Robert claims to be unable to remember the attack and that he didn't know what triggered him. He has since been sentenced to life in prison. Our next story is the story of Scott Rostin and Karen Waltz. Karen and Scott decided on a whim to get married in Las Vegas in February 1988. Despite concern from Karen's roommate and her mother, the couple soon embarked on their honeymoon aboard the Sundance Cruises luxury ship. Merely nine days after their wedding, Scott became a widow when Karen fell overboard and drowned. Witnesses reported that the couple had previously been seen arguing multiple times. They reported that Scott had become furious when he caught Karen eating sweets and again when she ate with the wrong silverware. At first, Robert claimed that Karen had been swept overboard by a powerful wind, but investigators were able to determine that there had not been much wind at that time. Further evidence told a different story. Karen had damage to her neck consistent with strangulation, and Robert had cuts and scratches on his face. After being informed of these findings, Robert changed his story once again and claimed that they had been attacked by Israeli assassins and that he was knocked out before they murdered Karen. Nobody believed him and he was originally sentenced to life in a federal prison. His sentence was later reduced to 33 years. Following that, we have the story of Tammy Gorgon. In September 2006, Tammy Gorgon took a much-needed vacation with her mother, her sister, and her 14-year-old son. The group boarded Carnival Cruises Line's Imagination and set off on a four-day cruise to Mexico. While on the ship, Tammy's family noticed she was missing, but assumed she was somewhere on the boat, enjoying some much-needed alone time. Once they arrived in port, they realized something was wrong. By that point, she had been missing for 36 hours. During the investigation, authorities discovered that the cruise had been paid for by Craig Morgan, a man who was under suspicion for having a, quote, 
touchy-feely relationship with Tammy's 14-year-old son. Tammy had forbade her son from meeting with Craig, but for some unknown reason, she still accepted the cruise tickets. Investigators were also able to determine that Craig was not on the cruise, but they did discover that one of Tammy's last drinks contained a date rape drug. Tammy's mother suspects that her daughter met foul play, but the case is still officially unsolved. And the last story I'm going to tell you guys is a story of O'Neill Persaud. And this one's probably the most interesting out of all of them to me. So on July 19, 2002, O'Neill was aboard the Adventure of the Seas, a ship belonging to the Royal Caribbean Cruise Line. However, no one knew how or why he was even there. O'Neill had been staying alone at a resort in San Martin, Bahamas, and was supposed to fly home to Toronto at the end of his vacation. O'Neill was captured on video boarding the boat in San Martin with a woman wearing a white hat. When he eventually asked a crew member for room and board, he was taken into custody and placed in an isolation cell. Soon after his internment, he was forcibly restrained and sedated after becoming violent and suicidal. After that, O'Neill was pronounced dead. An autopsy found no other drugs in his system and it was declared accidental. However, his family disagreed and continued to believe that he was murdered. So there are my five short creepy cruise stories. Cool. I just never want to go on a cruise. I mean, same. I'd love to, but I don't want to. <laughs> They're not that scary. So I've been on three of them. Uh, as far as I know, nobody has died on any of them. You haven't been murdered yet. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's very easy to see how things can go wrong. And this has always been kind of one of my fascinations. Even before we went on our last cruise, I was like Googling stories about this because that's the type of person I am evidently. And there are, like Lucia and Abby have said, there are a lot out there. So it's definitely something interesting. And maybe we can even do a follow-up follow episode at some point. Definitely. Yep. I feel like there's so many. And we could fit so many stories. Right. Yeah, and like you guys said, too, with the investigation, there just doesn't seem to be much investigation. Like, obviously, some of these are solved. But, like, when the body just never shows up, that's it. Right. Like, for mine, body, it's pretty no much... Conviction. Right, it was pretty much just um, cruise line employees asking questions. Yeah, and that can only go That's so not... far. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to our stories. We'll be adding photos and our sources to our social media posts. If you have any comments or even suggestions for future episodes, uh, especially if you know a creepy cruise story that you want us to cover next time, please reach out to us at caffeineandcatspod at gmail.com. We hope you guys have a great week and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.